This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Are you a skincare lover? Well, I got you. Today, it's all about Korean skincare with the incredible Alicia Yoon of Peach and Lily. You don't want to miss this. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Founded Beauty podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who've built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, the CEO and co-founder of Fable and Maine, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Maine has been an incredible journey so far and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow founders of beauty brands around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully inspire and help each other in what can be quite a lonely and tough journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build brands, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to introduce you our guest speaker for today, the wonderful Alicia Yoon. Alicia is a Korean skincare expert and the founder of Peach and Lily, a leading source and retailer for all things Korean beauty. Her acclaimed Peach and Lily skincare collection is clean, cruelty-free and uses clinically proven ingredients. Alicia travels regularly between New York City and Seoul to find the best products and most innovative skincare that has truly made Korean beauty the phenomenon it is today in the U.S., As if this is not impressive enough, Alicia is also a Harvard Business School graduate on WWD's 25 Most Innovative Beauty Executive list and serves on the Cosmetic Executive Women Board of Governors. Alicia, thank you so much for being on here and it's truly such an honor to speak to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you're doing and I'm excited to chat today. Me too. Well, let's just get straight into it because I'm sure there's so much stuff that we can all just get inspired by your story and your journey so far. So I think the first most important question is, who is Alicia? And just tell us a bit more about your, you know, your journey. Yeah. So I was born in Korea. Then I moved to the States when I was a little baby. And then I actually moved back to Korea um, when I was finishing up elementary school So I grew up in Korea all the way until college when I moved back to the U.S. 
And I share that because, you know, growing up in Korea during those formative years, um, it really informed my approach to beauty and skincare. So when I was younger, I struggled with severe eczema. I still have eczema. You can't really cure yourself of eczema, but I've really learned how to manage it. Um, And when I was a teenager, you know, I just remember having visibly rashy, bleeding skin and thinking I can never change my skin. Um, And I just felt like I didn't know how to understand when the flare-ups would happen, how to manage it, how to minimize it. And that actually led me to uh, attend esthetician school when I was in high school. And I was just so fed up with my own skin and not knowing what to do for it. And I wanted to just have a framework to better understand skin. Um, And so that really was a pivotal experience for me. So after that, when I went to college, um, I was just fascinated with this framework I learned about skin, the histology of it. And after that, it was years more of, you know, we didn't have Google back then, you know, it was going to the library stacks and like trying to read everything I could about skin, Um, lots of hands-on practice, doing facials for myself, for others. But, you know, over the next kind of few years, I was able to completely transform how my skin looks and feels. And it was the combination of using the right knowledge, the right clinically proven ingredients, but also fresh natural extracts. And just keeping it really gentle for skin, it actually really changed my life because really having that confidence and that experience and being empowered to take care of my own health and really understand how to actually manage my skin, you know, not only did it change my skin, but it really created this passion to help others do the same. So that was 20 years ago. um, And I just started doing facials for friends and family nights and weekends for fun. Um, This was my passion. My home became like an apothecary. Um, But I didn't think that that was something I would pursue like a full-blown career in. It was just, you know, that special thing in my life that I really loved doing. So after college, I became an investment banker, then a management consultant, but doing facials nights and weekends this whole time. Um, And then went to business school. And that's when I started really thinking about entrepreneurship. Um, And, you know, in the back of my mind when I was younger, I was thinking like, oh, it would be really fun to have your own business. My grandfather is a serial entrepreneur. So just kind of growing up and seeing that. But it never was something that I really internalized until business school. And actually in business school, um, I didn't actually start the business then or even right after. I went back into management consulting. And then one day in 2012, I had this moment where I thought, why am I not combining my passion for building a business and skincare? Um, And that moment, it kind of built over time, as well as through some specific conversations. But, you know, I was going back, my parents still live in Korea. So I, I go back often to visit them. And I was bringing a lot of Korean products over and doing facials with them. And a lot of people started asking, like, where can I get these products here? And they just weren't available here. And my passion for Peach and Lily is really, it's a single mind mission. It's to help people uh, transform their skin. It's to empower people on their skincare journey. And the way that we think about that is if you have a skincare toolkit, what else do you need in that skincare toolkit? And with Korean beauty at that time, it just wasn't really available here. So 
things like specific ingredients, specific product categories, they just weren't available. And it blew my mind. It was 2012, this globalized world. And yet, you know, people were buying things deep into eBay, like used and trying to find these solutions. So yeah, that's how Peach and Lily came to be. And, you know, it really is fueled from a very personal place of experience of my own hard earned kind of transformation story. And really that that's the passion that fuels me to help others do the same, because I just think no matter where you are in your skincare journey, you don't need to have good skin genes. Healthy skin yeah. is for everybody and everyone can aspire towards that. And so, yeah, here we are nine, nine years later with Peach and Lily. I love that. And I think, well, there's so many nuggets of gold there, but I think 100% a big message which you're saying is, you know, everyone can have healthy, good skin. Um, it does take also, you know, you need to use the right products, you need to have the right regime and routine and everything, but it's accessible to everyone. It doesn't discriminate. So I think that's so important. Yeah. And the other thing is healthy skin doesn't look the same for everyone. Meaning, you know, I am almost 40. I'm 37 weeks pregnant right now. And I have severe eczema. My version of my healthiest skin is going to look completely different from somebody who is 21, has normal skin, um, meaning they don't have eczema and their skin isn't on the drier side or more sensitive, but maybe they're struggling with breakouts, right? Um, yes. And so healthy skin for each person looks different. There aren't these, you know, uh, unrealistic skincare goals Picture where you perfect. have perfect skin. Yeah. It doesn't exist, but... Just like when we think about working out, no matter what you where you are in life, you can aspire and strive towards fitness goals and a, attain them. And that's going to look specific for you. Um, and so I just want to encourage people because sometimes people think if I don't have good skin genes, that's yeah. it. And that's not uh, true. And it's a kind of it's unfortunate because we've been ingrained in this from a young age from adverts. I mean, as an Indian South Asian, we used to have the main skincare product of of India was uh, fair and lovely. I mean, those forget just the visuals. The name itself is already telling you so much like horrible things that you know now. Thank God they've changed the name, but we were just seeing what was represented in the billboards, and it was always a specific type of skin. And I think it's voices like yourself, and you know, just really listening and learning that. It isn't like that. What we've been growing up with, we can't stand for that anymore. It is changing, but it's also your mindset, right? It's what you believe because it's your skin and it's your version of, you know, your own opinion of it. And I think what you said is so true because I actually have eczema. Growing up, I've had severe oh eczema. Yeah, so we're like eczema buddies. I, yeah, I we'll like, have to yeah, chat same. about this we'll later. Yeah. I used to put, you know, like the sweatbands around my, it's always in the sweaty areas where you can get it. And it was, it's a journey that it comes and goes. And I think that's what people forget about skin. It's nothing is ever permanent. You can't, you can't really, it can come back, you know, if you take your eye off the ball, it come back. But as long as you're at your healthiest for you, what you're saying is so important. It's It might not ever be what you see on the kind of filtered images, but that's okay because it's not your representation, it's you. So I love that. But um, so I, there's so many things I want to get into, but I think we'll start just at the beginning because that's often where some of the greatness happens. So you've had an incredible sort of corporate career and education. I mean, you pretty much ticked all the boxes that I would say when I grew up, uh, I was like Harvard Business School. I think you worked in like in, in financial in banks at like Goldman Sachs, if I'm correct, and Accenture. 
what was that like for you? Like, was it, was it something that um, at the time that you had a different vision to beauty or did you want to go into say banking or investment? What was your vision like? Yeah. For college, I was attending Columbia in New York. Yeah. And at that time, investment banking was like the thing to go into. And, you know, it's so funny because, you know, when you're in college, you're so young, the world is your oyster and mapping out your career is like, who knows, right? When you're in college, like your career unfolds. But, you know, I just thought, okay, I guess that's that's the thing to look into. So it was kind of funny because on the other hand, in school, I was a philosophy major and an East Asian studies major. And I just, nothing to do with finance, right? I wasn't taking economics or I never opened an Excel sheet. Um, so in academics, I was gravitating towards these like liberal arts topics and like really loving it. But then in my internships and everything, I think at that time, just because finance was something you're also in New York. And at that time, it was really the heyday of like lots of conversations about it. So I just thought, in fact, you know, the funny thing is, I remember um, a mentor I had who was a few years older was telling me I, w I, I did an eye banking summership. I had no idea what that was. I actually literally thought she meant like eyeball, like eye. <laughs> and I was like, what, what is that? And then I realized, oh, this is what everyone's talking about. Yeah. And I just thought like, oh, interesting. I guess this is like, you know, how you build a career. You just go into the thing that's supposed to be like a really good career. So I started interning, um, you know, at Merrill Lynch and just different places um, throughout the whole year. I actually worked all throughout college. You know, I, I started to learn a lot about finance and it was funny. I didn't dislike it. But I, it's not like I was like, this is so fun. I was like, it's a job. Like jobs aren't supposed to be like when you're hanging out with your friends and having so much fun. Um, you know, let's just like work hard and, you know, try to get a great job after school. So that was like my thought process back then. And when I graduated, you know, I went to Goldman Sachs and it was a pretty, you know, demanding job, you know, like. Yep. 80 to 120 hour work weeks. I mean, that was kind of the thing, no. you know, when you became a banker back then. Yeah. Especially when you're like starting off, like right out of school. Um, and again, I didn't dislike it, but I definitely, it was like a far cry from loving my job. And I, it was just like, okay, like this is pretty brutal. The topic is okay. I'm not like that invigorated by it. And I was in this like path of inertia where then everybody from my analyst class, um, they were then looking for jobs in private equity and in fixed income hedge funds and, you know, and so forth on the buy side. And so I was like, okay. So I started going down this path of going to private equity interviews. Um, and, you know, I was kind of on the last round of like one of, you know, it was like a very top tier private equity firm. And I was like, okay, like the interview is going well. But I remember I was walking out and I saw people who would have been where I would be a year later, right? And I saw them basically doing the same kind of financial analysis. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I don't know that I can keep doing this. Like, it's not that fun for me. And I called my dad, um, who has been just like an amazing mentor. Um, and I was like, dad, I just feel like I'm not that motivated by finance, but here I am with these interviews and so forth. And he was like, oh my gosh, you're so young. Why are you pigeonholing yourself into this? Like, what do you want to do? Um, 
And what I realized is when I was doing the financial analysis, like the back part of the book is all the numbers that you're crunching, but the front part of the book, the management overview talks about the business strategy, like what they did operationally. And I loved reading that part. And I was like, I just like understanding how companies work. And so I started realizing if you do management consulting, you get a bird's eye view into a lot of different functional groups. You're really thinking about how to run parts of businesses. So I started to reach out to management consulting companies to interview. And it was pretty discouraging because they were telling me I'm an off cycle candidate. Like I, it's not, they recruit right out of college or they recruit right out of business school. And I was like this in-between person where they're like, you're a little bit too experienced to be in the analyst class, but then you're also not like an MBA graduate student. Um, and I, you know, I was like, okay, I was so determined to, to still find a job in that space. And Accenture at that time had this corporate strategy group that they started that they were specifically looking for people with finance experience. So it, it was, I was just very grateful for that opportunity. I prepared for those interviews, like my life depended on it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I ended up going there and loved my job so much. Like it was night and day, like it was so interesting to me, like figuring out these like business problems and thinking about it. And I loved it. And I didn't think about going to grad school, but I had some great bosses, um, both of whom had gone to business school. And they actually told me after a couple of years, they were like, you know, we think you'd actually really like business school um, and, you know, open door back if you wanted to come back. Um, and, you know, they, it, they were very encouraging. And I, I had never looked into business school, but then I looked into it and I was like, oh, this sounds very exciting. So ended up going. And right when I went, it was 2008, financial crisis had happened. So it was actually really um, interesting because at that time, Harvard Business School was very focused on talking a lot about entrepreneurship because the financial sector was pretty much like not hiring the bait the way that they had used to be uh, used to hire out of business school and so forth. Um, and so in my graduating class, so many of my classmates built startups. Like we had um, the Birchbox founders, Plated, Blue Apron, the year before was Rent the Runway, um, Bobble Bar. Like, and so when I graduated from business school, and it, it was interesting, there was just like a lot of people during school at that time trying uh, to come up with scalable startup concepts. And, and I actually started a small business in business school that was bringing fast Korean fashion over to the U.S. But I quickly learned it wasn't scalable because there were some content labeling issues um, at customs. There were some sizing issues. Um, so I was like, okay, that was a fun thing to try, but let's go back into consulting so then I went to the Boston Consulting Group, again, loved it. But now in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I really want to do something entrepreneurial. And I would meet once a week with a good friend of mine who was also contemplating doing something in the startup space. And every week we would just explore different ideas um, and just, you know, meet and do a lot of like research and homework and kind of think like, what what are some great ideas out there? And it was so funny because I went about it in such a almost backwards way. Like I was like looking for an idea 
And so for two years, I couldn't find an idea I was passionate about, nor an idea that I thought would like, like, that I could like really just sustain the energy to do. And then one day, two years after this brainstorming, so I'm working at BCG the whole time, I just woke up and I was like, and it was some conversations also with, um, I was consulting for a lot of beauty clients as well. And a lot of the cosmetic chemists that I was talking to were sharing with me that the formulas in Korea, when they tested in the labs are super advanced. And it was like those conversations as well as just like doing these facials. And I woke up one day and I was like, oh my gosh, like I know what I'm passionate about. I love skincare. This is what I love doing. Why didn't I think this is what I should do? And it was just like, once that light bulb went off, I could not stop thinking about it. So this was unlike all the other ideas that I was thinking about more like intellectually, just researching. This was like all consuming. Like I, for like two weeks straight was, I I would fall asleep thinking about it, wake up thinking about it. Like, and I finally just within two weeks, I went to HR and I was like, I just have to start this company. And they were very supportive, which made it easy. And so it's funny. I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have the savings I wanted to have. I just had this passion. And so, yeah, that's how it all just, that's how it went. That is, I mean, not only is it so amazing, but I love the fact that, you know, I I always say these kind of ideas and businesses that are made in boardrooms and meetings, there is a market for it, but it's never really it's not got that grit. And, you know, for you, you've actually had that aha moment through actually your own experiences. You know, it's been your own love, your, you know, born in Korea, your, your knowledge of it, but you've also seen a gap in the market, number one. That's fundamental. Uh, I think it's very important, but also you are the perfect force and voice to bring that because of your experience, your love of skincare. And it's funny how it works sometimes where when you want the idea, it doesn't come, but when it, it's sort of right in front of you all along. And then you're like, wait, hang on. <laughs> I didn't have to go this far into my brainstorming. It was actually just there. Um, but sometimes you also have to be ready for it in the moment. And then I think one thing you've said, which really resonated with my story as well, where I, I went to HR and I quit is you don't really need to have like a full-fledged business plan. Like it all comes bit by bit. It's that journey of starting it, but you'll never be ready. I'm sure you'll say the same. Like a lot of people will be like, but when am I, I'll do it later when I'm a bit more prepared, a bit more ready. And that's a, that's a myth. You just have to start and you'll make mistakes, but it's the journey as you'll get more and more ready. And guess what? Five years later, you're still not ready because you're still learning. You're still making mistakes. So um, now I love that. And I want, I want to first, before we go into like the actual Peach Lily journey and how it's gone from bringing Korean brands to also creating your own brand and where did the name come from, Peach and Lily? I just wanted to make sure that it tied into this Korean heritage. So peaches and lilies are motifs that come up in Korean artwork a lot. I love that it signifies this radiance, this natural kind of full bloom. It's also, it evolves, you know, it's not static. Um, and then I wanted to make sure on a practical note, it was available online and people could easily remember and spell it, right? Yes, Exactly. That's a, I mean, and that's actually so important. And also you got, you got to make sure it's available, tra- not trademarked. I mean, those are things people forget, but you can have an amazing name. But even today we worry about, is the Instagram handle available? Like those things are what prevents you from even creating a brand name. So yeah, but you you, would, you did a really a beautiful name, Peach and Lily. And I think oh, 100%, you. it reminds me of, I've been to Seoul and it reminds me of Korea inside out, just those two 
were and the colors as well it's so um they perfectly match and so peach and lily started initially i mean you've had experience with sort of importing you know with your showroom and then with fashion and then that could have at least kind of encouraged you to do this model because you've had some experience with that but how did you start exactly with peach and lily so was it a retail and first was it e-retail like yeah what was that like yeah it was an e-commerce site and then very soon after i realized that with skincare when i was reading like mpd reports but also just talking to friends and family even thinking about my own uh way i discover skincare it was still and it still is but especially 10 years ago it, it a very touch and feel industry meaning for the first time when people purchase a skincare product they want to touch and feel it so they're going into store uh touching and feeling it smelling it seeing the texture and then kind of making your decision. And then online, you know, you're replenishing a little bit more. But in terms of discovery, there is still that, you know, you want to try a sample, you want to feel it. Um, and so what I realized is that if we're introducing this new kind of category of ingredients and products, um, we need to be serving our community where they're shopping, where they want to discover. So omni-channel uh, that notion became just so, so critical for us to lean into. Um, and so very quickly after that, you know, I started reaching out to retailers um, and I didn't want it to be, you know, you have to go to Koreatown or Chinatown or just like these niche areas to discover these products. So reaching out to all the major retailers, getting turned away a lot, even though a lot of the buyers are like, this is amazing. I like it. But, but then, yeah. yeah, but then um, it was kind of, it's like there's a tipping point. So the first retailer we introduced Korean Beauty to was Urban Outfitters. And one of the brands that we had uh, distributed to them became one of the top three uh, performers. And then, you know, I think a lot of the buyers are sometimes moving around, they talk to each other. So then we were able to introduce, um, launch Korean Beauty at Sephora, their big section, um, it was a lot of fun. They had me on their homepage doing like live chats with their community, a lot of content support around it too. Um, introduced Korean beauty for the first time to QVC, um, to uh, Barney's. We had a Korean mask bar when they were still open, um, had a Korean pop-up shop for a year in Bergdorf. We, I did a personal collaboration with Target where I was able to introduce like a Korean beauty assortment um, and it was actually kind of funny because I didn't realize when they asked for my headshot that they would actually have it in all their aisles. <laughs> and I was like, my friends are like sending me pictures and I was like, oh, I'm sure they told me and I just didn't grasp onto that. But it was it was really exciting to to be able to personally like curate a, an assortment for Target shoppers, um, had a huge Korean beauty collaboration with CVS which was exciting because they have, I mean, almost nine, I think like 9,000 locations. Now it's really becoming ubiquitous. Um, and, you know, some stores even had an assortment of 500 plus products that we curated um, and, and brought in for them. Um, so it, it was really just working alongside a lot of these incredible retailers. And now um, our products are distributed exclusively, actually, for Peach and Lily with Ulta Beauty, which is just yeah. a fantastic Amazing. partner. Um, and then Peach Slices is also in Ulta Beauty CVS as well. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of just, you know, it was 
yes, an e-commerce site first. So we are digitally native, but we really leaned into omni-channel. And I think it's synergistic when you have your D2C, but then you also have physical places where people can discover and shop. I think this, yeah, the whole digital thing is so important because especially with Korean skincare, I find, and Korean beauty is, it is so fun, you know, with the Cosmax and all the kind of the best labs in, in Korea, the, the formulas are unmatched. I mean, let's just get say that. that, that and for me, they're, they're the pioneers. And I think it also deserves that, that kind of discovery and uh, there's nothing I mean when you go to I, I'm sure you've actually been so many times to Seoul to discover new 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 beauty products and also all the conventions where I mean the stuff that they're creating is so forward thinking but it deserves that discovery of people seeing it testing it because it does show instant work you know benefits but I, I do have a question so you know you've obviously brought that idea of bringing K-Beauty and being the one of the first to honestly do this, I think, if not the first in, in America, um, did you have to just go and you know, first vet and decide which products? And did you go, because I, when I went to Seoul, was it Myeongdong? I, I can't say yes, it. Yes, Myeongdong. Yeah, uh-huh. Myeong, <laughs> that shopping store, I mean, I was in a, there's, I went to, there's a store, which was like a swimming pool, but then there's a hotel, and it was all yes, beauty products. Style and I was like, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was there literally, um, I was there for a work trip, but I was like, I'm taking two, three hours off and I'm going to the street. And it was just so incredible. So did you go, do you go to these places a lot and get inspiration and bring those products and yeah how did that look like yeah i mean there are ten thousand korean beauty brands i believe at the moment um ten thousand plus at that time there were about two thousand so there's also just been a gigantic growth um over the last 10 years but also across the board like globally as well but um curation what is everything because not all brands are created alike. And if you're introducing things, you want the best of the best, right? You want to ensure people are trusting your curation, that uh, retailers we work with also trust our curation, our consume, you know, so that was really important. That still takes us months to do. So what we do is we first go and do a lot of digital listening. So we'll look at products that aren't necessarily hyped up because there was this big marketing campaign because that's usually more correlated to size of business, like if you, uh, or the creativity versus the actual formulas. But what we look for is loyalty. So when there's a product after it launches, are people actually then saying, I can't live without it. I keep going back to this because there's something about this formula that's just delivering results that's just unparalleled, right? So we do a lot of digital listening all over the internet in Korea to to look for that. We also do actually really fun things before the pandemic. So I was going to Korea, I mean, all the time, like I pretty much spent maybe half the year there and half the year here. And I love, this is my favorite thing to do still where I do consumer shop a lot. So I stand outside you know, certain streets where people have shopped for beauty. And I actually stop them. I say, and I explain who I am. And I'm just like, what what did you shop? Why did you get that? Like, um, what are you and your friends buzzing about? And it just turns into these wonderful organic conversations where you get such deep insights. Um, So that's another thing we do. Also talking to a lot of dermatologists, labs, and estheticians, and celebrities, and beauty editors, because they are seeing everything. Um, So we have basically, we keep our finger on the pulse, and then we have um, a short list of brands that we're really excited about. 
Then myself and our team of estheticians, we actually look through all the formulas to make sure that if a brand is making a claim, that the ingredient list at a minimum is supportive of those claims. And then we actually go visit the brands and we meet with the executive team and we really want to see a commitment to quality. We want to see a point of view that they have on skincare versus we just went to a lab and it was trending and we just like created this. Um, and then after all of that, um, and you know, it, it, it gets really in depth. These meetings, sometimes we actually go to their manufacturing facilities. We, it gets pretty in depth after that. We then bring a subset of those products that we would like to launch. Um, and we focus group test everything in the U S and there's a minimum balanced scorecard that the brand has to meet. So for example, the product, maybe the results are phenomenal, but there were supposed to be no adverse reactions, but some people just too many people just got like completely irritated skin, then we can't launch that. So it's a balanced scorecard view. Um, and actually it's so funny because in the beginning, there were some big brands that we focus group tested and the, the results weren't great. And here we are, this tiny company, and I have to go back and tell this brand, we actually can't launch you. And it was actually kind of intimidating because they were like, are you, you're what? kidding me, right? Like You don't want to be like blacklisted or like, you know, exactly. yeah, it's going to be scary. Exactly. Wow. But I was like, this is our commitment to our community. And, you know, and I would tell them the results, like, here's why, here's what consumers have our users have seen. Um, and after, it was nerve wracking, but after about a year and a half, it was interesting because these brands in Korea would actually let us know like the peach and lily stamp of, of approval in Korea actually means something within the beauty brand circle. And they would actually tell us like, even if you don't want to curate us, can you just put us through your test? Cause we're kind of curious. Um, and so after all that, the very first brand I wanted to carry is a brand called Be The Skin. Beautiful, beautiful brand, such a commitment to quality. In all these years, like in 10 years, I think they launched like two new things. They just like, they're just about like, yeah, core, like getting it right. They have this huge history in um, development. And anyway, I really wanted to carry them. The results are phenomenal. And here's the thing. This brand is so careful about everything and their quality. Everything matters, including their partners. And they were like, do you have a website? Do you have consumers? Do you, you know, and we were like, not yet, you know. And so they would not work with us. And it took me I was in Korea. Um, I thought it would be a month long business trip to curate these brands. It took me five months. And I still didn't have a single brand on board because I didn't want to compromise the ones we wanted to work with. And I actually gave myself a deadline. I said, if I hit six months and I can't curate the brands I really think are the best, it's just like not the right time for this because I mean, I had no income for five months. Like, and I was like, maybe these really amazing brands are just not ready to come into the U S market, or maybe it's not with me. Like, it just, I needed to kind of time bucket this. And after five months, Be The Skin, I had a million interviews with them. They finally agreed and they said, you know what? Like, we love your commitment. You're like relentless. Just like, just, we love this brand. We want to work with you. Um, and so he finally agreed um, and still one of our best partners, like amazing. I just love them so much. And 
basically after Be The Skin accepted our proposal to work together, they have such a reputation that uh, the other brands I wanted to work with, they all said yes to. They're like, oh, if he says yes, like we're saying yes. So, you know, I share that because I do think that, you know, there's, I'm sure, you know, in the startup world, there's a lot of people who say like, you need to have your MVP, your most viable product, just like iterate and then just launch and so forth. And yes, there are parts of your business. You can do that. You don't have to perfect everything, but there are certain core things you just can't compromise on. I truly believe because that can become a slippery slope. So there's, you know, like, for example, like our website, did every product page look exactly the way we wanted to know because it was very expensive to do it that way. And you can still have a great experience for consumers without being like, it has to be 300% exactly what I want. But then when it comes to your curation or your formulas that you're developing, that was something where I was like, there's no such thing as it's just good enough. It has to be the best. So I think there's just like two different things in your business that you can kind of just say, okay, let's A-B test this. And then there are certain things where it's like, no, it has to be pretty perfect and there's no compromise. So, you know, yeah, that's, it, it took a long time, but we still don't, that's how we curate till this day. And, and I think it's so amazing how A, you've been recognized in Korea and also sort of being wanted to be uh, get that seal of approval like in you know in the vegan industry you have the the, the pieta and you have the cruelty-free bunny I think you've done something also making sure that yes you've got from 2,000 beauty brands to 10,000 but as you can know there can be a lot of ones created that are not very good and with that I think having a system like yours is so important especially when you've opened up a channel now of introducing k-beauty it might not be yourself next time it might be other people bringing k-beauty into the world and i think it's important that there is some sort of benchmarks and a system to make sure it's safe for everyone and i think you've done that which is so good and i love the fact that you were you know you didn't sell out in that way like you didn't like just say you know what i'm just gonna see where i can whoever i can get now because it would have been a much easier thing to do at that time especially i understand if you know five months without income doing it with your own you just your own kind of time and your own you know will it's it's difficult but I love the fact that it worked out and kudos to that because if it wasn't, then I think you wouldn't have been where you are today. So well done, I think. Really cool. And I think it's very inspiring to many people. Um, with, with your, you know... The- Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And you, you obviously got a huge presence bringing these brands into into America um, and also landing Ulta. But you then created in Peach and Lily um, collection. How did that come around? Like, uh, did you always want to create your own products? I think when you're so into skincare in the back of your mind, I had my Willy Wonka factory dream list um, just like written out on pieces of paper, like over the last 20 years, like, oh, yes you know, this product would be amazing if it were a little bit like this for my skin, just things like that. It was more casual, but a running list of ideas. Um, But when I started Peach and Lily, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't this like explicit pillar, like saying we must create our own products one day. But what happened is it was very organic. So from day one, what we offered is a service called Ask Lily. So anyone who has a skincare question, it doesn't matter if you are a customer or not. It doesn't matter if you are signed up to our email address or not. As long as you have an email address, it doesn't matter who you are. We welcome you. You just email lily at peachandlily.com, your skincare question, and it's completely complimentary. And our in-house licensed estheticians are the ones answering it. And they're not like scripted answers. It's very personalized. It's a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty big investment that we make. But I just think if our mission is to help people with their skin, this is just something I really want to offer. Um, and so what ended up happening is over the first few years, I was seeing, and I, I love reading the back and forth between our estheticians because, and sometimes I'm also answering questions, especially in the early years, um, because first of all, when times get hard, just the testimonials, the reviews, but also just like thanking the estheticians, that was just like fuel, you know, that's what keeps us going. Totally. But also, you know, what's interesting is reading those emails. I'm learning so much. I'm learning uh, insights qualitatively on what people are thinking about. Um, For example, right now during the pandemic, so many people ask about mass knee. So many people ask about, um, you know, I just really need something like ritualistic and soothing at home. Like there's just like really interesting insights that come up on what our community needs, which is important because we are here to serve them. So we need to understand. And one thing I started noticing is the first few years, um, a lot of people had a lot of worry when it came to skincare. So for example, I'm kind of seeing that some of these ingredients are a little harsher. I worry about this ingredient list. Is it okay or not? Or I kind of worry that this product won't be efficacious. I'm spending money on it and and it may not be products on our site, just like in their routine, just or I worry that, you know, some I'm I'm now pregnant. Is this something I can use? Or am I overpaying for this? Is the value really there? Like I only used to use like luxury products and is it worth paying three hundred dollars for that serum? Like just a lot of different kinds of worry. And then there were also very specific skincare needs. So for example, and I can relate to this, I have very sensitive skin and I want to use a very hard hitting uh, concentrated glycolic acid peel, 
but I can't find anything that would be good for my rosacea skin or my eczema skin. So digging into those insights, what I realized is that there are specific things people are looking for. And that was the impetus behind the Peach and Lily collection. So our mantra is 100% worry-free. And we built it around the pillars that we want, we kind of saw in our community. So number one, it's gentle for everybody. I've done hundreds of facials with these products on uh, people with very sensitive skin um, and also with celebrities and editors and influencers, folks who have access to a lot of things and couldn't necessarily find things that they feel 100% worry-free about because maybe they have severe, uh, you know, um, severely sensitive skin or what have you. Um, and so number one, the pillar is you don't have to worry. Even if you have very sensitive skin, it's going to be very gentle for skin. Number two, you know, we're actually going to lean into excluding a lot of ingredients that people worry about. So there's over 1,550 ingredients we don't include. Now, I do want to say that not all of them necessarily are I never want to fear monger and say, if there's another brand that includes that, toss it because it's harmful for you. It's not that. It's just that, again, if people worry about it, you know what? We'll just take it out because there's an alternative we can use that you don't have to worry about. Um, but again, if there's a product you love that has it, you can use it. Like, you exactly. know, there's some ingredients where most people should stay away from, but not the whole 1500 plus list. Um, the third pillar is we use clinically proven ingredients at the right percentages and at the right pH level for efficacy because people want to see results above all. And in Korea, there's actually something called functional cosmetics. So you can't make claims that something will help brighten your skin or help with fine lines and wrinkles if it doesn't have the clinically proven parameters to do so. So our products for those benefits are in accordance with the Korean FDA functional cosmetic standards. So the efficacy you can trust. Now, the other pillar is when it comes to skincare, you have to be consistent. And I know that if you don't love your skincare, you're not using it. So it has to be sensorially delightful and it's spa grade, meaning you can spend a lot of time massaging skin with it and it won't irritate your skin. And then finally, the last pillar is this value proposition. So we wanted people to know that they are uh, using their hard-earned dollars in, in, in a way where they're able to extract a lot of value out of it. So we did a lot of things on the back end on the supply chain, um, cutting out all the middlemen, but additionally, even investing in some equipment moves and things like that. So there's more bottles that can be made in a day. Like it took years to kind of get all of this sorted. Um, and so, you know, our price point is as accessible as we we can be with it, um, despite the quality of ingredients in it. And so those are the pillars that we wanted um, to deliver on. Again, nothing comes easy. So of course, like with all of this, go to the labs that I wanted to work with. They all turned me away. They were like, Alicia, this is like, we Mission don't- impossible yeah. initially, yeah. <laughs> They're like, we don't create formulas this way. Um, and so- there was this one lab I really wanted to work with. And typically they'll say like, can you bring me a formula that's kind of similar? Yeah. Let's take a look. A sample, and see if... a benchmark or exactly. exactly. And I was like, well, I don't have one because yeah. I don't have like a 10% glycolic acid peel that's good for rosacea skin. 
Um, but what I do have is here's a binder full of research. We even sourced um, suppliers of certain ingredients that we needed to create the formula more stably um, and the distributor in Asia and the price per barrel. And we did a lot of homework ahead of time to convince them to work with us. And the chief R&D officer said, let me, oh, the other thing I told them was, how about this? I understand you guys have to innovate um, and create not off the shelf things, but really kind of things that are more custom. And I understand that like when it comes to innovation, you can't put a timeline on it. So why don't we just say for our brand, whenever you work with us, there's no timeline. So we can take 10 years. We just want to do this right. And the chief R&D officer had this look in the meeting and he was like, let me think about this. It was like the longest week wait of my life. I was like, what is he going to say? And he came back and I remember I left the meeting with like, like practically tears in my eyes, but he was like, as a historic first, they work with a lot of big global beauty brands. And he said, as a historic first, our lab will work with you, but also you're the one company where all 40 chemists, uh, there's actually a little bit more than that, but all 40 chemists in our lab will personally create this product with you. And so it was, that was a game changer. I mean, we, I'm very grateful for that partnership. Uh, we now work with other labs too, but that's our main partner. And they're like family, you know, we text each other all the time on like, I'll text them like how people, how people have seen like real skin transformation. And, um, you know, they are brilliant and so dedicated and it's, it, they're really excited about it because they're also creating new solutions um, without compromise. Um, and, and even if we take, there's some formulas that we've been working on for five years now and it's still wow. not ready. You know, and some, but you know, maybe time, three years. You know? And people don't realize, time. well, you can do it rushed, but then you'll get a rush. It's like, you know, going to the kitchen. You can make a cake quickly, but you're going to get a cooked cake and, you know, really take your time was really so important. And I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone, though, in like all my people I've spoken to and anyone just say to a lab, there's not a time date, but that's just so refreshing to hear. No wonder they want to work with you because you're probably the dream client of theirs anyway. But like, <laughs> it's just, um, you're allowing the, the the chemists to really, they love what they do. And I think sometimes I feel for them because even me as a founder and I'm working on a lot of different projects, I can be very strict with timings and just make it happen. And I don't have the formula, but I have this, this, this. But you've done so many, you, you've not only given them something new and exciting to work on, you've also given them the time and then the, the ability to let them be a bit free. And three, you've given them the research. You know, you haven't just said, figure it out. You said, I've done research. And I think that is just incredible. But again, like, I'm, not, I'm not surprised because you just are so incredible. But that is, yeah. um, <laughs> was that something that like, did you feel... Oh, this is this is just what you wanted to do. Or did you ever feel like, oh wait, am I making, is, am I being too too um, different to everyone else? Because it can be sometimes. You know, your mind can say, but should I actually launch it in a year because uh, everyone else is doing it, and I want to be quicker than everyone else to bring it to market? I don't know. What was your thoughts? I think for Peach and Lily, because we're not a trend-driven brand, we're a very, um, you know, it is a spa-grade brand. Um, it is all about really understanding skin and what's needed and then providing a solution. And skin is skin. So skin doesn't have trends. Skin just has needs that are just always going to be there. So I think for us, that pressure is not there. However, 
for sure, there was this, you know, the other thing we had to think very carefully about is you can't necessarily sustain a brand if basically you're introducing zero new things for five years, right? Because people are like, but I want this, uh, yeah, I want this other thing from your brand and I want to build my repertoire and consumers, you know, get excited. Um, so what we had to do was we actually had to uh, work on a lot of things in parallel. So, you know, we actually have so many things in the work constantly because we don't know how long it's going to take. Um, and some things can take three years, two years. I've never seen it really less than two years. Um, some things can take, I mean, I don't even know because one thing, literally it's been five plus years now and it's still going. Yeah, I can <laughs> And I'm like, that. you know, it's almost there except the texture is like not delightful. I just know people are going to be like, the results are fine, but you know, and it's it's so hard that almost that because I know with formulations it's like sometimes I go to my sister and I'm like, okay, it's almost there, but it's there. Is that mean we're launching it or not? And it's like uh, one more revision, one more. And then sometimes the labs can be like, guys, you know, you have to yeah. like, let, you know, we can't <laughs> keep on making the restorations, and especially like you know, you're sending it from Korea to. I work with some Korean labs, you know, like it's. We're in London and I have all my manufacturing in Texas, LA and New Jersey as well. So like my labs and it's hard to sometimes just send one little iteration in the sample, wait uh, two weeks or something before it comes and then the amount of shipping costs. But it is so important to take your time to get it right because there's no point launching it then and, the cons- and then you know exactly what the consumer will say. But, oh yeah, it's not perfect. And that's so important. Exactly. And we don't, you know, again, going back to our mission, if it's really to empower people in their skincare journey by helping to expand their toolkit, it's going to, you know, it has to be a product that they want in their toolkit. And so what's really interesting about this innovation process with this partner lab is that sometimes, you know, after five years of getting it almost there, the answer is actually that there are then there's a lab and then there's all these ingredient suppliers who are also innovating. And sometimes it takes waiting for an ingredient innovation to really get that full picture. Or other times we've actually developed our own ingredient complexes because it just wasn't possible with the supply that was just out there. Um, And it really required, you know, the lab actually creating our own ingredient complex to replace certain things. So, It's just, I've learned so much through this process as well. But again, I think, you know, with the lab, it is definitely a very special partnership because it's not, you know, it's, it is a little bit of a different process. Um, But again, I think for the lab, you know, it's also interesting for them because they also, through that process, there's also a lot of insights that they're developing as well. So, you know, it's a pretty synergistic relationship. And again, you know, it, our brand, I don't think would be, I realize in doing Peach and Lily, partnerships are so important. And, you know, I love what you're doing because collaboration and partnerships, that's so fundamental. And, um, you know, finding creative ways to work together where it's synergistic is so important because you can't do it by yourself, you know. And it's, it's also more fun to learn, experiment, yeah. to try new things. But, you know, you know, I love the fact that everything you've said as well from you know, you've got the efficacy, you've got the best in class labs, but you still somehow manage to balance all of that with giving value. And I think that is you know, the 100% worry, but also the worry free. But then the value is so 
amazing and I can see it, you know, thick and skin with um with with Peach and Lily, honestly, like I was looking at one of your, was it the glass skin discovery set or something? Um, yeah. And I used it as like a benchmark of how you have such value, beautiful packaging with the textures. It's one of the only discovery sets where you can see the product on it, like as well as the packaging. Like it was very cool the way you've done the oh, artwork. Amazing. Thank you. And I was looking now and I was like, this is so cool. And the fact that the value was so incredible. I'm like, yeah, you've definitely put consumers first and you can see that really, really with the brand. So amazing job there i do i do oh, want to ask what's what's sort of the next for you and but also for peach and Lily, like you know what's your vision now for the next few years or or i would say next few months let's take it step by yeah. step <laughs> so one thing that i really am seeing our community lean into is skincare knowledge and education like never before so 10 years ago a lot of the questions we were getting were more high level like why do we need a toner? What is a toner? Do you really need a toner? And for what skin? But now I love that people want to nerd out on skincare together. So questions like, okay, but like that AHA molecule, how is it different from this one? Which one is bigger? Which one is better for my skin? And I am, I, I just love that because I am such a skincare nerd at heart. So, you know, now that we see our community, we've always been very educational, but I've always been a little hesitant about how far do you go? Like my yeah. team's always like, yeah, they're like, Alicia, I don't think anyone's going to want to read this, you know, or, and I'm like, is it, is it too detailed? Um, but now I just love that our community asks such detailed questions. So we're working on, well, we've launched this uh, initiative called Peach Skincare Academy last year during the pandemic. And this year it's back in kind of a bigger way. And it's really exciting because basically the idea is, and again, it's complimentary. The idea is that you would learn everything you would learn in esthetician school. Um, so I'm also licensed in New York. So it's also kind of interesting to see how skincare is taught in Korea and the U.S. But um, you would, the academy goes through all those topics plus more things. Um, and plus leaning into questions that are like kind of frequently asked at that time. So it's just been really fun leaning into the education content information side of things, but also keeping it interactive. So doing lives, filming videos, um, it's just, you know, getting very multimedia. But I just love it because the community is really engaging on it. And, you know, I think it's also just like such a vibrant field of study, like probiotics. It's just a huge area of study and skin right now. There's so many breakthrough discoveries on how your microbiome interacts with your skin. Yeah. So yeah, 100%. it's awesome to, to lean into this. And, and I think it's like connecting skin to like, you know, gut health and, and hair and everything. It's also connected and the consumers are really what's, I guess, yeah, your answer is it's really your consumers are, really directing the brand and where to go because they're the ones that you're listening to and they're the ones who are now either becoming more educational about you know knowing not a lot more about skin but also really curious to learn but you know with the, the academy where do people like how can they get involved in that where where can they find it so the easiest way is just on our instagram we always announce different parts of the academy we'll do ig lives and i always host those and answer i welcome any and all questions. Sometimes questions are high level. Sometimes questions are super nitty gritty and it's just answered live. So um, that's 
And then anything else we do with the Academy, it's always announced there. So that's a good place to go for following along for that. And, and, and actually, one thing I did want to ask is because the questions now are getting a little bit more detailed and people are getting more kind of curious. But at the same time, you know, consumers or users of social media are getting a lot less attention span and getting they prefer ephemeral content. Look at TikTok. Have you found this balance between let's get it bite size out there? but I still need to explain this whole science. Like, how has that been like? Yeah, I love that question. Um, so we do feel that we have to offer both. So something for everyone, right? Because some people definitely want the bite size. Some people want the long form blog. Some people want the videos. I think it is a little bit challenging in that not one form of content is going to work for everybody. Um, and we have to lean into that because, you know, that's just, we want to meet our community where they are, whoever they are. And it's been very fun to think of how do you take a lot of different notions and boil it down into a minute, right? And I love mnemonic devices to even remember things. So, you know, when I do like little, um, like lesson plans, if you will, for example, for like HAs, I'll, I'll come up with like mnemonic devices that are all also a little like uplifting, um, like, you know, glycolic acid, lactic acid, um, like these are some of the, and then there's like mandelic acid and malic acid and some of the top three to remember, I'll like be like, just remember the term, good looking me, like GLF, you know, just like little fun things like that. Um, Yeah, but it is tough because I do think not everybody wants a woman real and Exactly. But I think, as you said, as, as long as you can have the capacity in the team and then and, and the, the will, you have to kind of cater for both audiences because there are people who will be like, listen, 30 seconds is not going to answer my whole skin concern. Yeah. You've got to give me more than that. But some people are like, listen, I have, I'm about to go in a meeting. Just quickly tell me, quickly tell me. So you have to you have to balance that. But um, exactly. now, uh, before we go into the fire round questions, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, we could speak for hours. I do, I do have a, a last kind of core question, which is, I ask every single guest and it's sort of um, linked to your products. I give a little anecdote. So I say, um, okay, your travel is picking up again and we're about to travel soon, hopefully. But TSA is being really difficult and they're saying, look, you can only take one product now, only one beauty product when you travel. And of course, you're going to take a product from Peach and Lily. So what one product is your go-to product? And I know it's not the right question, especially to a skincare expert, because there isn't just one product <laughs> that you can own, you can only take. But what is your, I guess, would you say a, a product that you you can't live without in Peach and Lily and you would really recommend people if they're starting to try and why? The Glass Skin Serum, because it has hydrators, soothers, uh, ingredients known to have brightening properties, firming properties, and antioxidants. And there's no scent it just seeps right in no fragrance it's just great for all skin types so whenever my whether my skin is in its best state or this pregnancy my skin has gone haywire whatever state my skin is in I can always count on it and it's one of those products I actually see a difference when I don't use it so I'm never without that product I love, I, actually, I, I go off tangent again, but I have to say this. Like, are you, do you love sheet masks? Because I read something that you love sheet masks and you're, so do you do like, do you sometimes do your DIY with your serum? Because I know people do that too. Or do you have sheet masks in um, Peach and Lily? Yeah, we have a lot of sheet masks. So I'll do sheet masks. Just the other day, actually. Oh my God, it's so funny. I have it right here. 
I have this thing called the lazy day all in one moisture pads. And it's for those days when you're like a whole skincare routine isn't happening. I am so tired. Like yesterday I had this shoot and I was like exhausted. And so this, you can just do like swipe all over and it's a toner essence and moisturizer in one. But the other thing I like doing is sometimes with these, I'll use as a little spot treatment mask. Oh, when my nice. cheeks get dry or, and I'll like put various ones all over. And, and that's it's perfect like for now. Friendly. Because at the yeah. end of the day, like we don't, you know, we, we can have Zooms and whatever, but like, I mean, maybe not while you're on a Zoom, but you can just kind of do it yeah. around the house. I and love that. you can that. do it for midday workout, just if you don't want to do your whole routine, one step for travel, for, uh, yeah, just for a lot of different purposes. But I always just feel like, Sometimes it's a big ask to tell people you have to be consistent about your skincare routine no matter what. And there are some days that you're just like, I need a little shortcut here. And so that's why we created these. But so just for the listeners, what's it called? So we can It's the just... Lazy Day All-in-One Moisture Pads. Amazing. So the glass serum everyone needs to check out, but also the glass skin serum. But the, this product, I think, Lazy Day. Um, yeah, definitely we'll check it out. So we're going to end with some fire round questions. Uh, Top, whatever comes to your mind, answer. Um, so I want to ask them and let's let's get straight to it. So what's another beauty brand and potentially even a Korean beauty brand that you love? Eco Your Skin. Eco, I've never heard of Eco Your Skin. Is this, um, okay, I'm going to check it out. It's the biggest spa in Korea. They have thousands of estheticians and their products oh, wow. are so creative and effective. Okay, Eco Your Skin. What's a guilty pleasure of yours? Cheetos. Cheetos. Is that have you seen this thing on like Instagram or TikTok? It's like Cheetos v Doritos, and it's like all these influence. Like literally, they're getting influencers, celebrities, one to be on Cheetos side and one to be on Doritos oh, really? side, and it's like this social media war, and they're like <laughs> zooming each other and be like, "I'm Cheetos, no, I'm Doritos." Like, what? Oh, that's so funny. I have to I check like, that out. Check it out, my friend Rini Harlow. She's just done the. I think she's Cheetos. So check it I out. It's Cheetos so, all the way. <laughs> so I was like, where is this world coming to? We're like rivaling around Cheetos and Doritos. <laughs> Uh, that's social media for you. Um, what are you currently watching or reading? Oh, I'm reading this book called Chasing Your Chasing the Cure or Chasing Your Cure. It's amazing. It's this doctor who had this very rare disease. Um, and basically the way the medical world is, is that like certain drugs are studied for one condition or one illness. Um, and there was nothing to help him. It's just like this rare disease. So he actually did this while he was like literally dying, he did this huge project where he gathered big data around all of these medicines that potentially they're already approved, but potentially could help for other therapeutic causes. And he cured himself. And so now his mission in life is to uh, really have cross pollination of different therapeutic areas to see if there could be life-saving things for rare diseases from other established drugs which is also just, I don't know, it's interesting to think about during the pandemic, but it's a really, it's, it's one of those very moving books. So I can't put it down wow. right now. Okay. I'm a, I love audio books. I'm going to check it out and definitely um, oh, good, good, good recommendation. Uh, what's your favorite social media platform right now? I'm still an Instagram person. I, I feel like TikTok, I I have a harder time figuring it out. I am just like dating myself. Maybe I'm too old. I do watch a lot and I'm like, oh, these are so funny. But I think navigating it still, I'm still like getting up to speed on it. 
No, I, I feel you. Like, honestly, like, it's one of those apps where I was like, I can't go on it because I'm already spending too much time on, like, social media, Instagram. I consider, like, LinkedIn, social media, WhatsApp. I'm spending too much time. But then a few retailers were, like, telling telling us, like, if you're not on TikTok, you're a dead brand. Like, go on TikTok. Yeah. So, I mean, you probably heard the same. So we're like, all right, it's a business now. It's a business. But then, obviously, I'm secretly uh, not I'm just staying on the app because the videos, the algorithm is scary. They just know exactly what you want to watch and they keep you on there. Um, it's very good. Also for a brand, like I learned so many things by um, just, um, yeah, just being a user because they'll even like deliver likes to make you come back on. Like, oh, you've seen some notifications. So they want you on the app. So that's why it's so addictive. And the last question is, if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur or in the beauty space in its entirety, what do you think you would be doing? So after after my career in beauty, I would re- I really want to focus on something uh, in the nonprofit space centering around orphans. So, oh, wow. you know, this was something that growing up, I volunteered in a lot of orphanages and, um, you know, there's some adopted uh, family members. And so this is an area I am passionate about. And probably, yeah, if not peachingly, I would probably be doing something in, in that space. Oh, well, that's amazing. And hopefully, um, you know, you'll, you'll get to do it soon, um, I'm sure, because if you're passionate about it, that's what I always say. Like, I really have a lot of things I want to do in, in nonprofit, but I'm also trying to first earn a lot of money so I can make a bigger impact. I think that's my way of doing it. It's like work hard now. And then once yeah. I make a, a hell of a lot of money, I'm going to do a lot to give back. And that's the plan. Yeah. Because I'm, and you know, money you and can experience, give time, right? Experience and being, yeah, absolutely. Both are so important. So, no. I love that. Yeah. So that's that's a lovely way to, honestly, it's been such a pleasure. I am so inspired by your story. It's probably been one of the most inspiring ones I've ever heard. So thank you, Alicia, so much. Um, Before (laughs) we go. Thank you for having me. No, absolutely. Thank you. And where can everyone find yourself on social media and your brand? And yeah, where, where can people find you? Yeah. So the brand at Peach and Lily spelled like the fruit and flower and peachandlily.com. And then I'm Alicia Yoon, 212. Perfect. Well, Alicia, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And we'll, we'll continue our conversations, I'm sure. A lot to, um, lot to continue to talk about. But thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for doing this. I love this whole collaborative platform that you've developed. And I can't wait to listen to all of the podcasts. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable and Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.